If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. I'm back. I'm a dad now. This is now the dad stirs of modern podcast. That's not a word. Uh, and we have a special guest, Aaron Torbin from DreamHack. Welcome, everybody. Hello. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, not too much. Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, a lot of a lot of communication with a lot of different people and uh, trying to get everyone locked in for the fun events that we have coming up. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this event. We're back to in-person events again. And uh, there's been a, you know, there's been a big time doubling down on making these events incredible. And, and I think uh, we're just excited to be able to talk to you about that tonight. So that's the that's going to be on the agenda for the show tonight, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so basically, uh, and, and we talked a little bit of it with uh, Power Dragon, I think three weeks ago now on the fact that Pro Tour Magic is back. Paper Magic is, is and Tournament Play Magic is back. Large events are back. Public facing large events are back. What that all means. And uh, Aaron, DreamHack and, and you are kind of one of the, if not the major force kind of behind creating this and, and, and organizing it. So we, we wanted to get you on to help explain what's going on, how it happened, what the future looks like temporarily and what the future could look like in the future. <laughs> and uh and everything along along those lines so so welcome uh, if you want to briefly introduce yourself and explain your background really quick and we can get into it yeah hi i'm uh, aaron lindy or torben online uh you can find me at torben underscore on twitter or torben on uh, twitch um i have been in gaming for 18 years uh, i've been doing events for that long as well um re i work been working for dreamhack for about seven of those years uh doing influencer management doing uh community engagement uh tabletop and a bunch of other slew of things at the festivals in north america uh so i've been helping build out a lot of different strategies here for content um from that we you know i've taken over a lot of the tabletop things and charity initiatives that we have where we're really developing and building things here in north america really push the boundaries um so if you're not familiar with dreamhack a 25 year uh gaming uh, event that started over in Sweden as a land, small land in a little basement, uh, grew from that into one of the largest lands around the world. We actually hold the world record for most lands on PC at one time, which is 12,500. Um, from that, we came over to the U.S. in 2016 and started uh, developing the gaming lifestyle convention you see today in our three different locations, Anaheim, Dallas, and Atlanta uh, every year. And so now that we're back from the pandemic, uh, we're, we're kicking it into gear with a whole bunch of new stuff. 
Uh, you probably know us a lot from our esports background, working with Rocket League, Fortnite, Halo, you know, everything in CSGO. Uh, a lot of people know us from all those genres. And so we bring all that expertise to the table when we're going to be hitting Magic. And so this is why we're super excited to be part of this. It's a crazy time because Magic's uh, professional and event-driven scene has evolved a lot over the last 10 years. And in that evolution, as we were starting to, I think, kind of figure out what like big public-facing Magic events were going to look like, uh, the pandemic happened <laughs> and they all died <laughs> and the entire and the whole landscape that we, I think most players who are going to these things and, and you know, us like podcasters where we get to go and, and appear and meet people, which is so fun for us, that all just went away. And so the idea, you know, was Paper Magic going to come back and when it did, what was it going to look like? And it's exciting for us to know that, you know, there's a company that is so invested in building these giant events uh, that it can bring a different perspective to Magic's pro scene, because I mean, Magic's pro scene historically has been very driven by paper magic and wizards i mean or or a magic adjacent brand like channel fireball or somebody like that who's doing it from that perspective of magic whereas i think you guys just have a much wider breadth of experience with all kinds of games yeah and and before before we kind of continue i do want to we now get to do all of the the shout outs that's a preview of what we're talking about uh and there's there's two pieces of it first off uh shout out to uh, uh sponsors both ultra pro thank you so much for sponsoring the podcast and our monday uh commander and modern streams that we do every week uh we also uh have a new home uh uh we are now uh officially affiliates with channel fireball we've moved from collective.company to channel fireball uh, so we'll be posting all of our video and the podcasts on their website. And if you use the affiliate code, the MMCast or the affiliate link below, you help us and you get a, a discount of some variety, but you help us get uh, 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 support and it is appreciated. So uh, thank you so much to them for all of that. And then, uh, you know, we we want to earn or slash want to make a bet with all of our listeners to get your likes and subscriptions. So uh, instead of just like asking you straight up, please like and subscribe. We play a little game of trivia. And uh, and Aaron, you get to you get to participate today in some magic trivia. Uh, basically, how this is going to work is I'm going to ask uh, you and Ben a trivia question. You're both going to like him and Hoff for a second. Don't just like if you know the answer, don't snap answer it. Let let the listeners uh, take their time to try and comment the answer in the comments below. Uh, and, uh, if they get it right, uh, they will, will, will give them a like. And, uh, if they get it wrong, they have to like, and subscribe to the podcast. If they get it right. And they want to also like, and subscribe, we appreciate it, but they don't have to anymore. They're just only required if they get it wrong. So, uh, the question is, and this is, this is a classic, this is a classic question in alpha and beta. There were uh, in beta, there were 10 dual lands printed. Let's say that, uh, in alpha, only nine were printed. So they missed one of the dual lands in alpha that was then printed in beta. Which dual land was missed in the original alpha printing of magic and only was originally printed in beta? Wow. Do I know this? Um, and I'm going to definitely let Aaron try and answer first, Ben, before before you take. And I, I will, Aaron, for, for your sake, I will allow a color combo if you don't know all of the different dual lands names by heart. Uh, I don't. So <laughs> there's that. Um, <laughs> I, mm, I I'm 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 th- I'm I'm struggling here, but I what 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 my gut feeling is, what my gut feeling is, is blue white. Okay, okay, Ben, Ben, do you have do you have your do you have your guess? So here's my logic game. My logic game would be that any blue duel that was left out of Alpha would be much more famous for being left out because blue is the best color in Magic, and everybody knows that. So it's got to be a non-blue. And I'm thinking it's going to be a bad one because otherwise it would get lots of hype. So I'm going to go 
well, bad and just less played. I'm going to go with Plateau. Plateau is my guess. Okay, which is which is the red white one uh, for 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 Aaron's purposes uh, and and the listeners, um, you were both incorrect. It was and, and your logic behind it was also incorrect. Ben, it was Volcanic Island was not ah. printed in the original in the original set. Uh, interesting. Wow. There is a fun fact about Plateau though. The original art uh, used with the uh, Plateau was changed between the first two printings and revised uh, because the original file, the original art file for Plateau was corrupted because it was just like on a 90s computer that just didn't survive and so it's just <laughs> gone to time uh there's no high profile image of plateau so uh, volcanic island was the answer to the trivia question wow. we got some bonus oh, bonus there's trivia no alpha there's no such thing as an alpha vol, huh? there's no there's no such thing as an alpha volcanic island um wow so yeah huh. there's your trivia so if you got it right in the comments below thank you so much for commenting and uh if you want to like and subscribe we appreciate it and if this is your first time here and you got it wrong like ben and Aaron, uh, you're obligated <laughs> now to like and subscribe. They both have to like and subscribe too. It's the way this game works. <laughs> ben like re subscribes every week. It's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, does right. it and then does it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> as long as you come back, it's okay. Uh, all right. Thank you, uh, uh, everyone, and and let's let's get on let's get on the conversation. So it's it's really exciting. I mean, as as you guys mentioned. Right before the pandemic, Magic took its first leaps into million-dollar prize pools and with the launch of Arena, kind of reinventing what a pro player could be. They listened to a lot of the, like, pay the pros, um, controversy, backlash, whatever you want to call it, uh, a movement, and and tried creating kind of like more of a $70,000 a year sustainable salary benefit package around being a pro player that I think in general, the consideration of how that function was not successful. And, and there's a, a reason, a, a, a slew of reasons for that. One is what they were really paying for is they wanted 72 great streamers to stream their game that had a large followings. And they were trying to base it on that. And being a pro magic player does not make you a good entertainer. Those are generally not like, honestly, I would, I would say that they are normally actually opposite skill sets. <laughs> Uh, or, or often can be opposite sell sets. So, so that was a challenge of them. And then on top of it, it, it created this grind culture on how to get into that space, how to get out of that space that because of its basis on arena became a pretty unhealthy. And so um, then COVID happened on top of that and the world of paper magic kind of uh, evolved slash blew up slash changed. And, and, but now we're getting into the future and, and they've kind of reinvented and went back to some of the basics, right? There's the PTQ system. There's, pro tour events there's a world championship event they're happening at big convention hall locations and and we're i'm excited to get more kind of grander detail on what that looks like i'm gonna actually jump here and ask aaron a question maybe before going you know he kind of responds to what you just said or maybe you teed up this question but in your experience 18 years of gaming and watching gamers and and, and sort of professional tournaments conventions go what do you think is the qualifier for a game to have a strong professional scene like a like a scene where people are actually making a living doing it like what do you think makes it a game what is necessary in a game for that uh three things one a quality uh funnel of content that is constantly being produced for the for the community to consume a strong solid community and a game that is willing to listen and uh continually innovate Okay, I would say magic has all of those things content. Probably the first one that you mentioned is the that's probably the question mark is like, I guess, I mean, content in terms of card releases, definitely. But like in terms of additional content that goes out, 
I think they're constantly looking for ways to to innovate and develop that. But I wonder what when you say content, like give me an example from another game. Uh, let's take uh, let's take League of Legends, for instance. Right. So if we looked at how it developed over time, um, we can we can see that they started off with just a game where they were just trying things out. It then developed from there, from there into a tournament series and then from that into uh, a very streamable game in from that to other hybrid games and then a world tour. And so it kept on developing and pushing that those boundaries and then all the while developing community members and uh, individuals to be their influencers uh, to help continue to push that uh, the agenda forward. So it, if you look at their historical value of how they actually developed their game totally, um, it actually hits all those points where they're constantly developing, they're pushing new things out. And Dota could be saying the, the same thing, right? You could say the uh, same thing about Valve and Dota um, to where they they took the community, they grasped onto it, they developed it, and then continued pushing it. Okay, interesting. And so, and and, and you guys now are working with Magic. So we're, we're the, I guess the, the, the other question that we had to ask was how did dreamhack get involved with magic i mean when where, when did that start or at what point did you come in uh, in that relationship so uh i've been working with uh wizards for about two years and but this was actually pre-pandemic i was working with wizards too and we we had done a multiple multitude of things um it was nothing really related to magic we've always been in the sphere but not really something that's been primary uh, so they knew about us and we also ran, uh, we started running some of their esports uh, around, um, uh, digital magic online. So we actually ran one of their first qual, I believe one of their first tournaments in Anaheim, uh, before the pandemic hit. And so we actually had a pretty big showing. I think we had around 2000 players show up to play in that, uh, to where it was all digital. And that was one of the first four years I think that they had into it. Um, and from that point, they, they saw us in a different light. Uh, I, I believe they saw us in a different light because they realized what our scale is know what we could do so when it came time for us to have a conversation we were just right place right right time realistically we had been forefront of their mind talking to them constantly already continuing working with them we did extra we did events with them on the side uh here and there so it was uh, about opportunity and the fact that we they, we're already a known quantity and i think they really wanted to try and see what we could provide and what we could do as a festival um, and not just a magic event. So, so more support than just a tournament and some signings, like a whole, just kind of an entire infrastructure surrounding uh, that magic can be a part of. So one of our goals when we were talking to them is making magic into a mini festival within our big festival. That was one of the things that we had talked to them about heavily. And we've been talking about that for years. I mean, Alex and I have been saying that, you know, it's when you go to these magic events that you really want it to feel like more than just tables, games, uh, a couple signings. You know, you want it to feel like more of an event, uh, more a convention, right? That's, yeah. I mean, that's the way we, so we described it. Like like magic already was evolving into that or like the GP circuit was evolving into it. It had a, a few of its laws. One, because it was such a like every single weekend there was a new GP somewhere that added a layer of a little less specialness to it. So people weren't prioritizing going to those events, theoretically. Like you'd have some that like L.A. during dead standard, right, where it was like a 400 person tournament. But L.A. during like the week after a new set came out playing modern in April was a 2000 person tournament. So like just depending on what you were trying to do there, it would range in its size. But like 
you know, towards the end, like Seattle, you know, with with uh, uh, pre pandemic followed by Vegas, there was the like they had panels, they had cosplayers, they had artists, they had actual kind of convention style experiences with a command zone, plus a regular kind of play area, plus tournament play, plus a GP and a PTQ qualifier, etc. that created a convention experience, which is like kind of what these things could have or should have always been. Agreed. Or we're going into at least. Yeah. Yep. Should have That's always exactly. been hard to say. <laughs> so, so with this iteration of the pro tour that we're getting, there's, there's two sites that have been announced. Obviously the first one is Dallas. Um, and after that is Atlanta with the way the structure of that is going. So the, the tournament structure events, price structure, all that stuff. I mean, I know historically wizards has done all of that stuff internally. And then somebody like a channel is the, they're the organizer that actually hosts the event. So now with this relationship, are you guys the organizer that's hosting the event or are you in the planning stage with them? As far as all those details go, are you working in sync with them? So it's a little bit of both, right? Um, there is some uh, factors there that they fully control, right? Because they are, this is their program at the end of the day. Uh, but we also own a lot of the on-site as far as what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, the content we're going to produce, um, who we work with, how we work with it. Like uh, everything that has to do with on-site is us. So we talk with them on a regular basis on planning and what we're going to do. And so they give us feedback and we take that and we go back and forth. So it's a, it's, it's a partnership in every sense of the word um, to where we're, they take our advice and we take their advice and we go back and forth based off of what it is. So we have feedback that we give them, hey, we're having these struggles or these things are going on. And then they give us feedback, hey, we're having these things going on. Let's figure this out. So we have that give and take. So I... I I don't know if that's how it's been in the past. I can't say because I haven't been part of other organizers. Uh, but I know that from my experience, this is how a traditional partnership works to where it is a true partnership and they are going to be helping to support us and as much as they possibly can to make the event successful. Very cool. Um, so let's talk about Dallas. Let's the, this first one. And and for, you know, what what can we expect? What uh, anything exciting that you want to kick us off with that people should be expecting? Well, and and even just like, how is it laid out? What's the main event look like? What are the side you know, like what what is a DreamHack magic event going to be? <laughs> yeah. So uh, real quickly, before we jump into that, one thing I do want to point out is Dallas is not the first uh, regional qualifier. Uh, Atlanta is. Um, okay, okay. the first that's that's where I want to make sure that everyone understands like the first regional qualifier is Atlanta. Dallas is our testing round where we're going to be doing a lot of our foundation building and working with the community and understanding how to run the thing properly so that when we hit to Atlanta, we have no no problems, right? We're just a well-oiled machine at that point. Um so with Dallas what we're doing is we actually have a 10k uh a 10k uh, tournament that's going to be modern. Um, we're also going to have a command zone. We are going to have um, Alders Gate, and, along with a, a lot of other stuff from the command area. So we're going to be doing a lot of command side events. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of just magic in general, just getting our, our, our feet underneath us, essentially. Uh, we're going to have an artist alley. We're going to have a cosplay competition. We're going to have uh, some other side events that I'm working on. We do have a couple panels lined up as well. Uh, and then we are working on a couple other aspects, which I don't want to say right now, but there it's basically we're trying to develop our our floor plan so that we have something to build into for Atlanta and that's what Dallas is so the, if you guys want to see what we're going to do our testing ground is Dallas and then from there we're going to build like just we're going to take whatever feedback we get and say okay this worked this didn't work let's improve and do it better at Atlanta 
that 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 makes a lot of sense because the one thing I was like confused by is like, oh, there's already like June's a month and a half away. <laughs> and by the no, time yeah. this podcast comes out, it's a month away. <laughs> um, so that was definitely like at the beginning, I was like, wait, how do you qualify for that event if the 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 program <laughs> started yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, like, okay, this this uh, makes a lot round, of sense. Round one starts in July. So round okay. one starts in July that will lead directly into Atlanta. And that's where you can go to your local WPN store and play in there and get directly into the, the qualifier. And the way that that works, which is what we we really are excited about, is a store is going to go buy a $50 kit. They're going to get a bunch of promos from that kit. They're, they're going to run whatever format they want to within a certain uh, frame, right? And once you win, you win your ticket to DreamHack and you're qualified. That's that's as, like you can go from your P, your local store to DreamHack immediately. And so that's what's super exciting for us. And then from uh, Atlanta, you could potentially go to Worlds, right? So the top two people are going to Worlds, and then the top 48 are going to the Pro Tour. So this is a direct line. We literally have made this so incredibly simple for everyone involved. There's no reason not to do this. So for the regional event, can you can you participate if you haven't won a, a qualifier? Or you have to have won a qualifier to be able to participate. You have to run a qualifier okay. or you have to come play in the uh, the last chance qualifier on Friday. The Friday is our okay. favorite. So, we love we, we love the LCQs. <laughs> so so, yeah, yeah in, in 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 reality, this is kind of just recreating the RPTQ to PTQ system that kind of existed in between. You know, the, it was the it was the manageable system when PTQs became too massive to able to be run, able to run single day events because you would get GP sized one day qualifier events that just. Like, you know, there were I think there was a PTQ I went to that had a thousand people in it. And I went to a GP a weekend later and it had 500 people in it. So they were bigger than GPs. <laughs> um, but now it's so so any regional store can have them at any any time of the year, depending on the ones that they buy. Those will lead right into these events. And there the plan is for there to be how many uh, regional qualifiers a year? Uh, in, in so there's th there's three uh, DreamHack regional qualifiers because we have three festivals. Okay. So we're okay. going to have three, but it's our culmination event. And that's the one thing I want everyone to focus on is it's a culmination of what we've been doing. So we want this to be a party and we mm -hmm. want it to be a celebration of the community. And that is our biggest focus is the community. We, we looked at this from the top down and then started from the bottom and built this entire system focusing directly on the community. You're saying Atlanta is a culmination. Yes. Yeah. And that, that makes like the one of the I would say flaws with the regional thing is that it was a like invite only and you didn't get to bring your friends <laughs> unless like you like all grinded together and all happened to win an RPTQ or uh, uh, yeah, an RPTQ, right? It was an RPTQ yeah. into a PTQ. And so like in this situation, if I win my regional, I get to go. Ben doesn't win his regional, but he can go play in the command zone. He can do Baldur Gates draft. He can do regular draft. He can do, you know, he can have the regular Grand Prix experience and then um, while well, I go have to grind my tournament that I, 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 I got myself into. Yeah. So starting in July, then people should be grinding all summer because it's November, right? Atlanta's November 18th. Yep. So if, if you want, if your WPN store is not already running one or it's already said that they've bought a kit, make sure that they go to mtgmelee.com and check that out because it's, it's literally as simple as they drop in. We verify they're a store, they buy their kit, they schedule. And it's, it's such a low dollar amount that, there's no reason they should say no. When you say by guy that we get a ticket to DreamHack, by the way, you ticket to the event, not not like a plane ticket to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just an actual yeah. like you get you you're qualified. You get a, a ticket 
to come to the show. We're not going to pay for travel because that, that would be astronomically yep. crazy. Yep. Now, now, but stores can run that as a prize, right? You can add additional prizes to those tournaments or you have to stick with absolutely the work. Okay. No, so, they, so like a, so, a local store could be like $20 entry fee. You get this as the winner gets this and a $250 travel voucher on spirit or what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever they wanted, whatever the store wants to do. The reason why we did it this way is we want players to return to the store. That is our mm -hmm. goal right there. We want players to return to the store. We want them to support their local stores. We want to support the local stores in every way possible and help them re-energize from what happened in the pandemic. So this is our gift to the WPN network as a whole saying, hey, we get shit, stuff was wrong. So uh, this last two years, let's fix it for you. Here you go. This is a way for us to get stores, people back into your stores because of the way that we built the system. Very cool. Reminds me of the old, the old exciting days of uh, getting to play at my local store and anything could happen. I used to love right. playing in PTQs and stuff like that. That was like my favorite time. And my, like my probably my favorite magic memories are all from like 2007 to like 2014 or something like that, which is ironic because we started doing a podcast in 2014. So like it's a whole other set of memories. But like I used to love grinding PTQs. I, I love that stuff. I was just going to say, yeah, and that, that feeling right there is exactly what we're going after because we want people to feel the same thing that you did when you first started playing Magic, right? To be around friends and be competing with your friends and trying to beat them so you win the spot and they don't. And then they have to go fi fight someone else for it. And then you get to hold it over their head because let's face it, if you can hold that over your head, you're, you're going to do that <laughs> to your friends, obviously. Ben would never. He would never I, hold would, anything over my head. He would never. <laughs> my favorite thing ever was I, I always played stupid decks in tournaments. Like I love to build like garbage and, and be like, it's going to win. And then I would go and I wouldn't do anything. And then Alex finally this one time on the show was like, if I win this bet, you have to play a real deck at the next event. And I was like, never. I get to choose the I, deck you play. And then I like lost. Then I had to play a real deck and I had like my best finish ever. <laughs> of course. <laughs> nice. it's like, ben is a good magic player. I mean, we're both good magic players, but, but he would like go. He would like work on like no, you don't understand. Scrabbling clause that lets me sacrifice any permanent for free is the secret tech that's going to break the per the format. Clause, and of, like, clause of Gix is the card that you're yeah, trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, goes like, he goes like zero five and 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 scoops and comes back to me depressed, being like, I hate everything. And I'm like, it's because you played a bad deck. And then I'm just like, okay, here, play Arclight Phoenix. I own it already. I, here's the deck. This is a stock list. I stole it from the last one in Grand Prix. And he day twos and like does great in the tournament and like almost pop hits. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> just play something real um but yeah I mean, that, I mean like and that is the argument we always made a podcast too is that like you can the greatness that is these open events that are like fun that you can get to go to is you can just spike them you can show up with just the right tech the right deck or even something you've created that's so off the wall that could make it and you can win run the hot whole that thing day. And, all you gotta and do is run it, hot that day yeah run run to run to the the, the championship run to run to the yeah. pro tour so and I mean, how crazy is that to think about someone who's never been in the pro tour before ever could go from their local WPN store into a regional qualifier and potentially go to worlds yep. like it's it's three steps. That's the, you're, you're talking three steps to get to worlds potentially for two players. And it doesn't even have to be that's like even that's two that's steps, insane. right? Yeah, yeah, you just need yeah. to win. You need two events because once you, to win worlds is three steps. But yeah, to yeah, get to so is, it's yeah, two yeah. steps. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, but the, I don't know if there's ever been a system like that. Now, this is only for year one, obviously, for like the world portion of it. But 
the the fact is that it's been simplified. And one of the things I'd like to point out is if you guys are on the website, which is dreamhack.com forward slash magic, we have a graphic there and it goes from WPN network to our showdown to the pro tour to the world championship. And this is the best representation of how this system works because it's that clean. It's literally that clean. Like there's no in between, there's no other hidden things. This is how this works. So you guys are running the these these dream hack events, which are a huge part in the qualification. Now, worlds, you guys are not running. That is a no, separate event not. that they are running. What yep. about coverage for these events? Is there any coverage that is being handled by DreamHack for any of this stuff? Uh, as far as the Pro Tour? Or uh, as far just, as yeah. the, the DreamHack event in Atlanta oh, or the Pro Tour or, yeah, yeah. So the Pro Tour and the World Tour are, are, are wizards directly. We're, we don't Got touch it, okay. that. That's not ours. We own the WPN stores and we own uh, the Showdown, which is what we're calling our, our, our regional championship. And at, when it comes to that, yes, there will be coverage. We're figuring out what that's going to look like. We're figuring out how that's going to be. Um, one of my main focuses is working with content creators. And I mean that every sense of the word. Like if you're a content creator that is a blogger, I want you. If you do news articles, I want you. If you do podcasts, I want you. Right? It doesn't matter how you create that content. If you are in the magic arena and you're creating content of some kind, I want you at the event because I want your coverage to be part of what we're doing in our ecosystem. As an influencer manager, I'm very cognizant of having influencers around, helping to support what we're doing and building is very important because you can help us get the message of what we're trying to do out. I mean, you're here talking to us and uh, I think we fully we fully get that. Like, uh, we're, we're, we're very happy to be involved in the process and I know I'm, I for one will be in Dallas. Alex is a new, he's a pop of pioneer now, so not, he can't. It, it is uh, within the window, I am not allowed to travel for outside of explicitly obligated work <laughs> in emergencies. This, is, this could be work though. You could say it's work. Yeah, I, oh, I do not get away with using magic. I think like the one trip I'm allowed to do is i'm going to licensing expo because we have a licensor that wants to talk to me which is we, i can't go into more deeply than that but that's not uh, fair. Um, but uh ben will be there so that's the the mm cast will be present we will be, um, we will be represented uh so well, yeah then i'll that, see you and that's and that's that's like one of the really exciting things right like there was always kind of well that's something that's changed too right for 20 years magic celebrity or magic influence was almost entirely built within either the designers of the game or pro players, right? Like there was not like the professor didn't exist at the level that he did the game nights world and then the command zone didn't exist at the way they did. They did up until pretty recently, like within the last six years and, or at least at that level. And so when the systems were built before, a lot of the like appearance fees or people that were being tried to get to go there were pro players, right? That that's what the 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 um, pro players club was about. That's what the Hall of Fame was about. And that still exists to some extent, which we can get into, I guess, maybe. Um, and but now since then, you know, you have the fact that Commander is the largest format maybe in, in, in magic in the world. And uh, there's a lot of content creators that aren't pro players. Most content creators in that space aren't pro players. You have podcasters, you have YouTubers, you have TikTokers. you know, Christine uh, Sprinkle, like it, it created the magic cosplay feature game. Not that there weren't cosplayers before that, but that like were being featured by, by wizards and, and, and the tournament organizers. And that's now glowing into Tappy and Olivia and, and uh, bubbles. And, and, you know, there's, so, there's so many different, 
contributors from so many different angles in this community that didn't exist before, or at least were not in the same ecosystem that they are now, that it's exciting that they're being incorpororated at this event. So uh, fun side fact, uh, Air Bubbles is my team lead for Tabletop. Oh, oh really? really? Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm also working with all the She Sparks. They'll be there as well. Okay. So Talia, Zbex, and Zabricus. Um, yep. they're all going to be there, and we're working with them. Uh, they're, they're, so uh, the past six months, all I've been doing is talking to creators, just putting everyone under the sun under NDA and saying, "Hey, this is what we're doing. <laughs> but this is why I'm doing this." And they're just like, "This is dope." <laughs> That's really cool. I mean. I think I think one of the things that's really interesting about it is Alex to build on what you were just saying a second ago the the world of magic as a and I don't know if this is something that you guys noticed happening during the pandemic because you mentioned you were working with us a couple of years ago you know two years ago two and a half years ago before the era that Alex is talking about back when like pro players kind of were the bigger names and we were just starting to get some cosplayers there wasn't as much community support for magic it hadn't spread in the same way um, whereas now with apps like TikTok and with the sheer number of content creators that are out there with just like, I mean, all the stuff that the command zone guys have done, like uh, whether it's watching post Malone play magic, like there's just so many things that have happened now that I feel like have changed the profile of magic that I think getting a bunch of higher profile people in the community together feels very different than it would have felt two years ago. I think it's an entirely different community of people than existed two years ago. Really? Yep. I completely agree with that. I mean, this is, this is again, why, this is supposed to be a culmination event, right? We want all the creators. We want all the community. This is why we don't just have one area dedicated to one thing, right? We have several areas dedicated to several things. Uh, another big initiative I have is inclusivity, right? Making sure that we make this acceptable uh, to everyone involved and then building it into where anyone who wants to play magic can play magic, even to the point of like, we built a whole new way to intro people into magic in a fun, safe environment that takes them directly and competitive. So there's a lot of the thought process went into one, how do we help the, the existing player base Two, how do we help the pro scene three? How do we help the new players we want coming in? And four, how do we help the content creators that are currently existing continue to create top, top, top content that they need to, to continue producing and making money. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm like way excited for Dallas. I got to tell you, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to just have to book my ticket for Atlanta now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, He's like so on American Airlines, like looking up like, what can I use miles for? <laughs> this is where it's like if you're working with me ahead of time, we can work through things, right? I, I am happy to work with any content creator that wants to work with us and wants to be there. Our, our goal is to make you excited and make you want to join in the fun craziness that we're going to have in general, and then have you relay that to everyone you're working with too, because that just helps funnel exactly what we're doing and the hype that we're trying to build. So, so, so I guess my next question is if, if you're not a content creator, if, if you're a person on the street, want to go to DreamHack, want to participate in that, in this event, and especially with this one where there is, you know, you don't, you didn't win a regional, whatever, you're just going to play in the, in, in, in into, uh, in Dallas. What is that? What does that look like? What is that? What is that? Um, what is that? What? What? How do I go? Go to DreamHack? <laughs> yeah. So it's just you're gonna go purchase a ticket, right? So you can purchase a one day or or, or three day ticket, right? If you purchase a, a three day ticket, we actually give you two twenty five dollar vouchers 
to spend um, on any side events that you want to. Um, this is our way of kind of easing people into this because we understand the ticket prices of $100 is a little bit of a sting, right? We get that, but we're also a festival and we offer a lot more. So we also have to make money. Like there's no there's no way around that. I have to make money and we have to actually have gen uh, revenue generating. Otherwise, these events wouldn't happen in the first place. Uh, so you literally go into either our, our website, which is dreamhack.com, and you, you find the event you want to go to, you purchase a ticket there, and then you're in. Uh, that, that's as simple as that, right? And then you have access to the full venue and everything that's going on. Uh, and then any side events or anything that we're going to do, we'll have prices for them based off of what, what's being played because product costs money, believe it or not. And after the first like buy-in, you're now at a magic grand prix. Yeah, at least yeah, for the yeah. magic section where you get to you you if you want to draft, cost X amount of dollars. If you want to do a grab bag, includes one pack of alpha, whatever, that's gonna cost X amount of dollars. If you want to do whatever the most recent standard set is, I think at that point it's still new capenna, that's gonna cost you twenty dollars. <laughs> Yeah, and there's also going to be two 10K tournaments that we're going to have as well. So if you want to come in and play, you still want to be in that competitive scene, we have an option for you, even if you didn't qualify. So even if you didn't qualify, you say you missed out on the LCQ, that's fine. We still got two 10Ks. You still can make some money. When you and, say 10K, when you say 10K, you're purely talking about the top prize is $10,000? No, uh, there are two $10,000 tournaments. So there's a there's a price tier for with that. So I think it's the top 24 players that uh, we have for that. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. but. Basically, our reasoning there is we have $130,000 on the line for the regional championship, and then we wanted additional money for the everyone else who may have missed out or even got kicked out of there. Like, hey, say you're playing in it, but you Day can one. just go play one in the 10K, right? Like, it's it doesn't stop you from being able to still do the thing and still enjoy magic because there's still ways for you to recoup some of that money. Right. And that's that's the Atlanta one, right? Because in Dallas, yeah. there's no regional that, that no, there's, has it. Uh, yeah, it's we just have the one 10K tournament in Dallas. Yeah. OK, I'm definitely going to be sitting down and sleeving up a deck and playing some magic competitively in Dallas. And I cannot wait. I will be I will be trying to create content also, but I will definitely be playing some magic. <laughs> I'm looking forward to sitting at tables for eight hours and uh, calling Alex dehydrated about losing like, you know, yeah, playing, two matches. Right, are you going to play a real deck or are you going to make something? <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'm busier. I'm busier than I was when I was younger. I don't quite have the time to, uh, to, to spend on my, uh, I, you know, fire. What I can't even think of the name. Of the cards I, I, like, I think most of superior burning cocoa is legal <laughs> in the format in pioneer. I think so. You can't, well, you can't play me superior. But there's like newer Mir Superior lights, aren't there? Like other claim you to can't fame targets. Play so you, Mir, you, you can't play. That's blasphemy. I can't play. Croxa, I can't play the like claim to fame Croxa variants. <laughs> I can't play Mir Superior, and the deck is dead. I'll come up with something new. <laughs> listen, listen. I'll just get a magic expert to walk over. We'll look at his deck, and then we'll just make fun of him. So that don't worry. We got you. <laughs> perfect. Uh, please, please uh, send me that for TikTok purposes. Uh, yeah. We, don't worry. I'll. I'll like everything that we're going to be doing is just going to be recorded in one way or another. Awesome. Um, I, I, the one thing I will tell you, and this is what you're going to miss out on, Ben, unfortunately, uh, is Magic Cornhole. Magic I'm Cornhole. Gonna, I'm not going to explain it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. 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 <laughs> how how gambit esque with my card throwing skills do I need to be to participate? That's the only yes. question I have. Yes. Okay. All right. Perfect. I'm good. I'm gold. See, 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 Alex <laughs> here is gonna be able to experience this. 
But Ben is just going to miss out on all of that fun stuff. Well, oh, Ben's man. going. I'm the one that's missing out. Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm cross, cross here. <laughs> yeah, Alex, you're going to miss out on Magic Cornhole. Yes, exactly. I'll be, I'll be back here honing my way. skills for, 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 Father, uh, for Atlanta and, you know, make a big comeback. I'll, then I'll know all the tech. You're going to embarrass yourself on the inaugural run. No one knows what's going on. I'll be watching all the videos. Don't worry. <laughs> Alex will have his, Alex will have Asher with him in Atlanta. That's what's going to happen. Love yeah, baby. You're not, you're not, probably not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, if you want to somehow bring him like we'll dress him up in like a wizard's costume or something like let's go uh, uh my luckily my like my wife lived in atlanta for for a few years and so we have actually some friends there with kids so there's that that's an easier sell than dallas i don't know anyone in dallas. That's fair. uh so 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 the event's happening this is how people can kind of participate uh are the other like what it's a dream hack event, right? So you have all the other stuff you normally do at those events going on as well. So with that, with that pass, you also get access to any other tournament kind of play for esports that's going on there. Correct. As long as it's open. Yes. So there's BYOC tournaments, right. That you can enter. If you're in the BYOC, there's going to be uh, other tournaments that I can't talk about because we haven't announced them yet. Uh, we have, ro- actually, I don't know if we announced that one either. Uh, we have a CSGO. So we have I am CSGO. Let's do it. Right. We, we have a bunch of different stuff happening and just a bunch of different content happening, including our content creator hub where we're going to have mechanical bull riding. Um, I haven't announced the prize pool on it, but mechanical uh, bull riding. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to, we're going to stream it and then we're going cast the whole thing. Uh, it's, it's going to be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a sizable prize pool. And the only way to actually enter that is to be a content creator that I invite. So. If you ever wanted to ride one, get your bull riding skills locked in. <laughs> I was say, I mean, it sounds like a, after two back surgeries in two years, it sounds like a great decision. That's like something I should definitely go do. I mean, there's a, there's going to be a bunch of other mini games and things that we're doing. So we're we're really really trying to make that into a fun environment for like content in general. And then we have all of our magic stuff. I think we've already locked in like six different artists uh, that are going to be there. And I, I know that I, we haven't announced all of them, but we've announced quite a few of them. And one of the other things I'm going to be doing is like, I want as many freaking artists as I possibly can get there uh, to do all of the cool shit for everyone. Because I know that that is one thing that everyone really enjoys is like having custom things made or having art signed, uh, you know, with your cards or whatever, or having borders done. Like, I, I know that's a huge thing that people love. So I was just like, hey, John, who's my t- T.O., we need as many artists as we can possibly get. He's like, well, how much space do you have? I said, yes, I will figure it out. <laughs> uh, it is my birthday weekend uh, that I will be with you. I'm, I'm coming out for that weekend. So oh, I'm real geez. excited about it. Okay, yeah. so then then we absolutely have to make fun of you even more. Uh, yeah. And make sure now. that we like big, make a big deal about it. Got it. Well, so so kind of going back to the, the, um, the entry fee, because this is something that I've actually been pretty, because we've had this conversation, especially through COVID, like what should tournament and convention magic look like once we're past and before that we talked about it a lot and i've been a pretty big proponent that entry fees make sense i think from a security perspective they like there's other reasons that they're beneficial right like yeah theft gets cut down you have better security from a covid safety perspective you're able to keep track of things a little bit better you have the 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 idea of you know as long as there's a benefit like you get free entry to stuff you're able to do things you're 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 really securing a much more substantial event i mean you know before these were going with grand prix being just open events one of the reasons that most of them were not panel-based big convention with support like all of the content creators that you're supporting going so making it 
a entry fee based event. Plus they get access to all the other stuff you're doing allows you to do cool stuff that like it comes kind of hand in hand. It's no longer just wizards marketing budget is paying for fun. It's the event is self-sustaining, which I think is in the long run and the short run going to be really beneficial for everyone participating. Yeah. And as we had talked about this earlier, um, when you asked like, is wizards having a hand in this, they, they don't dictate what we do at the event, right? Like they tell us, Hey, we want these formats to be run in this way. And like, okay, cool. Beyond that, it's all us. And they understand that because we need to run the event the way we know how to. So the, the part of that is we understand our ecosystem. And one of our big focuses when, when we were talking internally about this was making sure that the rest of the communities that we have that are coming that are not magic understand what magic is so we can infuse more people coming in and have that lower barrier of entry because one of the things that we identified right off the bat is magic is daunting as crap. Like in general, it is very daunting to come into a game and not know anything and then have to learn not only cards, but mechanics, how interactions work, timing on things, what different things do here and there, judgment calls. Like it's, it's, it's insane to think about the sheer amount of data that you need to consume in a short amount of time in order to go from a new player to a competitive player in general. So that's where we identify that and like, how can we solve that? And so we're working towards that to solve that so that we can make it a fun, enjoyable experience for anyone who walks up and wants to play magic. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how how old you are. You're a six-year-old, you wanna come play magic? Fantastic, we got a person for you. Let's sit you down and teach you. I mean, magic does have, you know, it's like we, we've described this over the years many, many times. Any, any Whatever the analogy you want to use for magic is, like, it is a little bit more of a slow, harder to get into, higher barrier to enter game compared to some others. Not every game, but I mean, it definitely has that element to it. And so it's exciting to hear that you guys are trying to do everything you can, not just for the game, but on site at a public facing event where you're going to have people in there who have, I mean, like at this point, if you're a nerd, like I'm a nerd, Alex, as I know, like. You're a nerd. You've heard of it. I know what you're talking about. Like, like it's, it's, we're not at a point anymore. It's like, I play this game called magic, the gathering. And someone's like, Oh, I've just never heard of that. It's like, if you play, if you play any game at all, even the remotely nerdy, you have heard of magic before. So if you've heard of it and you're at one of these things, and even if you've just heard about it once from a sibling or a friend, it is important to have the experience for somebody who's just like, all right, I have a couple hours to kill. Like I will try this, you know? And I think that's great. I think it's exciting that to, to have that the on-site presence, not just the, you know, because Wizards has yep. that at their stores, but you have to go to a store for that. This is right. like a part. You get to go to the convention, which is the best part. The overall experience of the the gaming lifestyle coming to life in every aspect. You also have like a backlog of like cool things that Wizards has tried. I was like, oh, that was awesome. It'd be cool for that to come back. That like never really made sense because it was where 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 was that going to be developed for? from the like escape rooms they did for Innistrad to like the panels they started doing towards the very end there, you know, the tappy toe claws, like question games, or, you know, we did our trivia show one year. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff that's been done in the past that like would be great to bring back. And then creating it in a convention environment gives that a lot more potential than this is an open tournament that got big. Yeah. Accidentally. It, and, and that type of stuff, I want to push boundaries. I want to do fun stuff. I want to do things that m- like make other people who are non-magic players come in and go, hey, what's this? 
That is super interesting to me because that brings in new blood. That brings in fresh ideas. That brings in new ways to think about how, how to do whatever it is. And so the more that we can infuse those other audiences into this, the more successful this is going to be for everyone involved because that means we get to get bigger. That means we get to do nuttier stuff. That means I get to do really crazy things that I have in mind that I really want to do, but I can't do yet because I don't have the funds. But once I do, it's, <laughs> let me just say, there's <laughs> there's this idea that I have. Magic cornhole, man. That's it. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I'm, ta- I'm saying from a completely different perspective. This is like, let me walk you through the scenario. And this is not something I've talked about to anyone, but I, I'm going to tell you guys. Hi. All right. When you walk into a convention center or you walk into something, what happens for the first time? You look around, you see stuff, and you may wander a direction. Yep. Picture this. You walk in to the convention center and immediately are confronted with a planeswalker. The planeswalker walks up to you and says, hey, what color are you? What do you mean, what color am I? Well, what color are you? Do you you love red? Like, what color are you? And they, they, they walk you through all the different colors and everything. Oh, you're red? Well, let's go talk to Chandra real quick. I know she has some stuff for you. And you start a quest line. And you, you do, go you with do the, that like, cosplayer. Fair, like, or Disney magic right. experience moment thing that you build off so of. I then take them on a magic, literally magic journey through the <laughs> convention where they're doing quests. And ultimately, they're building a deck. And at the end of that journey, they sit down and play in a tournament with that deck. I think that would be pretty feasible. That doesn't sound. It is. I mean, you need well, like three people to like start people off on their quest or whatever. But it's it's a lot more complicated than you think because of the sheer amount of volume of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but you also have to get people who are interested. So you, this would be a it basically a sign up experience for this. You'd sign mm-hmm. up for the magic experience and then we'd walk you through. So this is one of my ev- uh, evolutions of. I want, and this is what I told wizards and they're like, that sounds awesome. You should do that. And I was like, I'm going to try Don't worry. Um, well, so like, I'm, I'm trying to think like, cause like Disney does stuff like, cause they, they do the, the, the pin trading, right? That's like a whole yeah. thing you can do where you start. If you sign on to that experience, you then like every retail location in Disney offers the opportunity to do trading of, 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 of yep. pins, right? And it costs them nothing, right? They just have like their cashier will just like, you, Oh, here's a pin. Thank you. Here's your new one or whatever you like. I mean, theoretically, it's feasible with just like every booth gets like a pack of the exact same card from that limited format. And you're just like, give this to red mages that show up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's taking the the Harry Potter idea of like the sorting hat. Right. Yeah. And doing that for magic. And then also in employing cosplayers to help me with this, because I want them to be full time in the character mm-hmm, the entire mm-hmm. time. And then taking that ecosystem and building it even further but this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about that I'm going to start doing, right? This is where I'm going to change it from just a tournament to a festival because I love those elements. And I'm just like, this is the type of nutty stuff that I want to do. And I'm going to continue expanding and building and growing because I want people to experience all sides of magic. What's really fascinating to me about that. And I, what I, what I really, really, really love about that is that you're not, you're not coming into this experience as somebody who is internal at Wizards of the Coast and wants to help grow the profile and is trying to take what we have and just do it, right? And and again, no 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 shade to any of those people because I love those people, but like you're coming from the experience of I've done this with other games. I identify the opportunity to do this with magic. So let's do this with magic. 
And I think that's the thing that's so exciting to me is I have said this for like what feels like a decade now. And I know Alex agrees like the player base is so large. It's never made any sense that we've, we haven't been able to get the public facing side of magic to the size of these other huge esports. Like it never made sense to me that it was a, such a struggle that it was confined to store, store level play or, you know, very restrictive tournaments that are kind of cookie cutter in the way that they were run. It's very exciting to me to hear new stuff like this. And I'm sure you know as well as I do, like not every idea is going to work, right? But it's the inventive yeah. it's the inventive approach of wanting to try new ideas that makes it such an exciting thing to be a part of. Yeah, and I mean, it it, it may not work the way I think it's going to work. And there, there, that's a very real possibility. But the difference is, is I try it out once. I, it, I see what works. I see what doesn't. I take it and I improve it, right? Because then it becomes better, then it becomes better, then it becomes better. It's a, it's a starting point. And that's what Dallas is for me. It's my starting point. So what I'm doing in Dallas is my foundation level to where we're going to take that and then continue building and growing because it's going to take time. And we and this is something we, we we're very open with. Everyone's like, hey, we are not a magic event. We've never been a magic event. This is not something that you would know us for. So give us some grace as we expand and build this. And if you have constructive feedback, please tell us because we want to know. But be constructive with it and give us ideas on how we can improve and things we can do. I want the crazy ideas. Tell me a crazy idea you have and we'll try it. If I can do it, I'll try it. Why not? Because what's harm in it? Right. All right. I love so it. we're gonna put we're gonna put Ben on the mechanical bowl, and then everyone's going to grab <laughs> magic packs, all cards that look like eggs, though, and then they're okay. just gonna throw them at him until he yep. falls off the bowl. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, don't want to break him. No, I, I don't want to break you. That's, that's not a, that's not an option. I'm not gonna be there, so I'm not liable for any. <laughs> but I don't. I don't. I don't like. I I want him to actually play and experience stuff. I don't want to break him like day one. Right. Like that's not fair to anyone. Fair, fine, fine. It is his birthday. We'll be maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe like Sunday. We'll break him Sunday, and then he can go home. <laughs> mechanical bowl. It's got to be a mechanical minotaur, though. It has to be, right? Yeah, well, yeah. No, it's, it, well, like I wish. <laughs> it's 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 Angrath. Oh, this is my new so so uh my new my new hope is so there's a character Angrath who's who's in Magic. Uh, he's uh the big Minotaur. He's a red black planeswalker. Um, and he like mm -hmm. originally was pushed on Ixalan. He was like this criminal who like ran a pirate crew, etc. And his whole deal is that he got trapped there and he just wants to get back home, you know, after doing all of his crimes and beating up people with tire parts and running vehicles. <laughs> but he just wants to get home because he loves family and he just he needs it's all about family. And I just want Vin Diesel to play Angrath in whatever future <laughs> Magic the Gathering movie exists because Angrath is the is the Dominic Toretto of the Magic the Gathering universe. And I just want a vehicle planeswalker. I want him to like be able to crew vehicles. I'm, I'm excited by the future of our fast and furious magic the gathering franchise okay all right. all right all right that's 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 a little bit far dude uh, i'm not gonna lie <laughs> too much <laughs> he's got no fast and furious gear behind him look at this it's, come on you got you got star wars and you got trigun and marvel yeah there's no there's no dominic toretto no 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 you're just so anti-fast furious i i i like the first movie and that was about it when it got to like number 12 i was just like why it gets i mean five 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 is the best movie the the five or three are my two favorites but but i will say that the idea that they're exploring a jurassic park fast and the furious no. crossover franchise is like one of the greatest ideas that's ever been i mean so dumb but like 
Dominic Toretto in cars fighting dinosaurs is just like <laughs> it's freaking Sharknado all over again. Like that's what this is. It's just for Sharknado, but reskinned as dinosaurs. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a ridiculous idea. Yeah. With way more money. With just like yeah. so much more money. <laughs> okay. So I, I I have a question for you guys. Okay. okay. Right. Um, I saw this card uh, recently, and I, as a non like crazy competitive theory crafting person saw this and go holy crap that's broken uh but i want to get your takes on it the wandering emperor yeah card's great she she like to me that's just insane that was one of that was one of our good calls so like for a four mana planeswalker to be able to see play in modern takes of now takes a very large like the ones that have seen play like even three mana or five like anything in that range have broken standard right like like to fairy or three fairy or whatever came out of war of the spark and she's actually one of the few cards that like is decent in standard but is seeing modern play just because she's instant speed you're able to hold up well, counter spell and then and then she's like a good removal spell she's a good threat she kind of does a little bit of everything you need at the right the right speed which is you know with yeah. flash <laughs> On the Papas of Pioneer episode, while talking to Mason, we talked we broke down the uh, blue white uh, Pioneer deck and the conversation there was basically surrounding the idea that because you can't play Mind Sculptor in Pioneer, that deck functions very similarly. You're just playing Emperors instead. And it, mm-hmm. it's that's that's the card that fits that slot. But I mean, Pioneer is a pretty powerful format. So like for that to be already a staple in what is maybe the best deck in Pioneer, which is probably the best deck or close to the best deck is pretty impressive. I I think they're yeah the 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 stats in the card are very good and the functionality is unique. I think those are the two things we pointed out in the set review that really do push that. It's a very good card. So here's 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 my part two of that question. How much do you think we're going to see this at the regional qualifiers? Ooh, like how much uh, do you think we're going to see? If it's Pioneer, we're going to see a ton. I'm telling you that like the so the split the two three split on like the four the four and five mana slot that happens in a blue white control deck like. They, they play this card as a two of in that deck, and that is going to be one of the most represented decks, it, it, I think, unless unless the format takes a really, really drastic left turn. I think you're probably going to see that deck represented as at least 15, 20 percent of the field. I think it's yeah, I mean, one I mean, of the right, best decks right now. Azorius control is like 10 percent of the metagame in, in, in Pioneer. Right. So like at a minimum, that's like that's your like average base level. And mm-hmm. and there's a chance, you know, it it. it Open events are are interesting because they they offer the largest opportunity for weird stuff to do well, right? You're not you're not you don't have the metagame of like a pro tour where basically at a pro tour event or higher, every player who's playing in it has the best deck they possibly could have because they are able to borrow cards from friends. They have the sponsorship needed. There's like if you've made it to a pro tour, yeah. you have the resources to get every single card you could ever need to play in that event to have the perfect deck to play in it to be the best possible. That's not true at open events. Open events are oh, I want to play in this event. What cards can I get <laughs> yeah. between me and my buddy who share a collection us playing two different decks so that we're not overlapping in our play sets? What can we put together? So that that always kind of modifies when it's an open event versus a, a invitational event. Um, but as always control, there's just, you know, there's just a classic large amount of people that are like jam blue white control in every format. That's well, the other thing, too, I think about Wandering Emperor that stands out to me. And the reason you'll see a lot of this card is that whether you're talking about a control deck or you're talking about a deck that is creature based, like like if anybody comes up with any unique idea for a creature based deck, they can play this deck as long as they're white as a two of because it functions as a trump card, a removal spell, a combat trick and an engine to create more creatures. I mean, 
like there's just not that many and the fact that it's an instant speed right like that that's the thing is because it's instant speed it does so much for any creature based deck that wants to play it it is kind of never going to really be a bad draw like almost ever yeah i i saw that and my first comment was uh, this is so incredibly broken i anticipate i'm going to see this for a long time Oh, yeah, you're for sure going to see it forever, you know, until they print a better one. But the the like, you know, in the in the Pioneer preliminary that happened this week, Azorius Control was the only deck that four owed, right? Every all, all the other decks were three ones in the in the Pioneer League for the week before Azorius Control was one of the six decks that five owed. So like, wow, it's it's a pretty easy deck to like pay attention to what it's doing is not like. You know, it's not a birthing pod style deck. It's not a deck like where the complication of learning how to play it and all of the different lines you can go is so high that you're unbenefited by without years of experience because it's a control deck. I mean, you need to know Mm -hmm. what the threats are and what you're doing, but it's not like you're like tutoring for 18 cards a game and you have to make sure you're tutoring for the right one in the right sequence at the right time. So I, I do think it has a lot of potential to do well. I think that like... I think you'll see a lot of mono red aggro just because like the, the the issue with Pioneer is that it was a kind of unsupported format until this announcement was made. Right. We like had a moment where it was really popular at its announcement, but then that went through its like rolling ban history where just uh, the like the way that they created the format created a really weird ban environment that was that existed already in a moment in magic where bans were really heavy. And so there was fatigue around it. Then when that ended, it got locked into a specific combo that then the pandemic happened right after it got banned finally after a year. And so people have to pick this format up. And, and so it's going to be interesting which cards translate from standard, which the wandering one is a great one, right? Like you, if you're a standard player, you have that card already or, or decks that are modern decks that you can easily transfer, you know, upward or downward, depending on what you think pioneer is on a mountain. (laughs) I mean, if you also go back to, if you also go back and you think about the way players who are trying to win tournaments function, if you look at something like modern right now and it's like, okay, can you play this blue red tempo deck with, you know, Merktide region, or are you going to play this rhinos deck taking advantage of cascade or something? That's a harder learning curve to be able to know the sequencing in decks like that. Whereas if you've played blue white control, I mean, people have played blue light control since 1994. Like if they take 10 years off magic and they're like, I want to play in this event. Oh, blue light control is a good deck. I'll buy this blue light control deck. And I pretty much will know exactly what I'm doing before I even really draw my first card because blue light controls played the same way forever. It's the same deck. It's always yeah. been the same deck. And 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 like looking at the blue light control list, if you currently or if you've had a blue light control list in modern over the last three, this whatever amount of years, you have most of these cards. The ones you don't have yeah. are like random standard uncommons or standard rares, and you maybe have to drop $100 to buy into it. And that's kind of what I think from an open event perspective, you're going to see a lot of. You're going to see a lot of people that buy into a deck that is similar to a deck they've played in other formats. I think Is It Phoenix is going to be a massively overrepresented deck in the format because there's so many people, modern players, standard players, and in between that before the pandemic just owned Is It Phoenix decks. That was one of the most popular decks in multiple formats for the year before the pandemic happened and then cards got banned. So they're just like sitting in people's boxes and piles. And they're like, Oh, I can put I me. Mean, no one sold their Phoenixes. Cause it went from $50 to $4. So now, now it's a deck. That's one of the best decks in the format. It's really fun to play. You know how to play it. Like you've learned how to do it. And it's mostly commons and uncommons that are different from what you were playing in modern or what you were playing in standard. I'm going to look up this deck. Cause I don't actually know that one. I know the card, but I don't know the actual deck. Oh, the red Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. The version in pioneer is a little different. Yeah, like this, this, this would be my pick for the most, the most common deck you'll see at the event. 
not not from a power level perspective, like at the top tables, not making predictions, but from a like just happens that this many people own the cards enough to play this deck and the type of deck it is is super popular is 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 likely to be high. I think it's going to be super interesting to see the decks that come out of these tournaments, because what I'm looking forward to is that metagame that's going to happen because mm-hmm. different stores are going to be running different formats. And so some of the player base is going to have a different perspective when they come in. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to that because I think that we're going to see some new surprising things, even some off the wall things. We're going to still have those standards, right? But I I really want to see those metagames come out and just the theory crafting possibilities that could be here of like the tweaks that win. Oh yeah. And, and it's always fascinating with these events, right? Like I've gone into grand prix where I'm like, Oh man, I've practiced my deck for the meta game. I got the sideboard strategy for every one of the top decks in the format. I'm going to do so well. I have the secret tech against this deck and that deck that, and I play against zero of those decks. And I play yeah. against like <laughs> random guys, goblins deck, you know, eight, eight blood artist decks with collected company, you know, like just like random stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I, I just, I just lost. <laughs> four rounds yeah. In didn't a row for I that at all. None yeah. of the, these are all like cool <laughs> stuff that people have come up with over the last year that I'm seeing for the very first time. That's like their secret tech. I mean, the fact that there's a Mardu grease fang deck in pioneer is so dope that you're like reanimating Parhelion and sky sovereign with, uh, with like, grease fang <laughs> and just yeah. like hitting people Grease that way is dope like this format's going to be really cool and i'm excited to see what comes out of like the first big paper tournament for it since 2019 basically yeah it'll be it's, it's just gonna be a great return to form for a format that didn't really get its place in the sun when it was supposed to and three years later like there's way more cards in pioneer pioneer yep. feels this is what and this we can bring it full circle and wrap the podcast up on this note because i think this is kind of the point right like we started playing modern in 2011 Alex and I started this podcast in 2014. He started, I joined seven episodes later. We started talking about modern in 2014. It is eight years later and Pioneer today is a pretty similar format to what modern was in 2011. It's it's kind of the same thing. It feels very similar in terms of card availability, power level. Modern has become something totally wild. It's like, it's like legacy now. But Pioneer is restrictive enough. There's still you can still do powerful stuff that's not totally busted. And so it's exciting. It's kind of very similar to how it was when we got so excited about starting to talk about modern, you know, almost a decade ago. And I, I yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for those those change up. And I, I, I love this, man. But this is why I'm here talking to you guys, because th- this this type of stuff is just fun. I'm truly excited. I'm excited for it to happen. Right. I don't get to go, which I, I am sad about. But uh Happy I have a kid. That part's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's sweet, by the way. Like, if you've never thought about having a kid, it's way better than people tell you. Uh, (laughs) uh, They're very cute. (laughs) Um, Good time. Just these tournaments coming back. Like, you know, I loved going to the Magic the Gathering event that happened in Las Vegas that CFB put on. That was such a cool return to form. And and there being tournament magic that matters coming behind back there being an entire event series. There's a reason to go back to LGS is there's there's convention experiences being created around this game. That's always deserved it. Like it, it, it's been, you know, you talked about league of legends and you talked about kind of the early days and how that pro scene was created. That was always really fascinating to me because magic had a much better income framework than pretty much any game ever, right? Like the, the content creation industry around magic, even when it was centered around pro tour pro players was always so much so many light years ahead 
of these other esport events because you could do that. You could be a Star City Games and make your living totally separate from Wizards of the Coast off of single sales for an entire tournament series with your own pro circuit because that existed where like if you're a League of Legends content creation, you're making it off of views, right? That That is the source of your income if you're a League of Legends con- uh, anything, anything within that framework to make money on it. It's either the marketing budget from League of Legends or viewership views from YouTube, Twitch, etc. And um, that changes a little bit, but even the sponsorship part of that is still based on the viewership from those events. So it, it's magic has always had this ability to kind of fund these really cool things, but it's always still been around this, like tournaments are the only thing these events are about. Everything else is adjacent and secondary. And the fact that there's from the ground up being created these moments that become cultural events and more of the lifestyle brand that is magic. Like when people are magic players, this is from a guy who has his own game that he's kickstarted and launched getting magic players to play it and buy it is hard because they don't they're not gamers they're not you know they are magic players that is their life all of their friends are magic players their girlfriend's a magic player their mom's now a magic player <laughs> uh and and creating a lifestyle experience is something that i think will be really magical for them versus a specifically grinding only tournament event while having that option because i think that's important as well i see what you did there you know magical event let's see you know. i think people get wrapped up in a little bit of a misnomer sometimes when it comes to arts and entertainment that there's just you know there's a budget somewhere for arts or entertainment to just exist and there is a budget i can write a song or paint a painting in my home myself and that that budget exists it's me paying for it with my time and my money but if i want to be a professional musician or a painter there has to be someone who's paying for it Otherwise, it's not professional, right? It's a hobbyist. It's the exact same thing with if you create content or make a game, it's a fun thing that you get to do unless you have a marketing budget or you have content that is being driven by it. I mean, you even look at golf, which is the slowest game on earth. Golf works because they televise it and there's an entire like industry surrounding the equipment and the lifestyle and everything surrounding the events. That's how golf works. Yep. But if that didn't exist people would not be able to just hit a ball with a stick and do it and like have that be their life or their profession. So it's the same thing with anything with magic. We've been wrapped up in the idea for a long time that if you're good at magic, you should be able to be good at magic professionally. Well, being good at magic only works if there is a budget to allow you to be professionally good at magic. It has to come from somewhere. And I think it's important that people recognize that. So it's exciting that, you know, you guys have that infrastructure bringing in to, to make that happen. Yeah, I mean it's it it's a, it gets back to that core of like community first, right? That's that's our been our focus and that's going to be our focus. And you know, helping the community understand and participate in what we're building is very important to us. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Um thank you for I your can't, for I your can't time. Come up with anything better than that magic joke, so that's really I've tapped out. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be that for us. I've saved that for 3 uh, weeks. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to seeing you guys in in Dallas. I can't wait to ride the bull. Um and uh it's going to be well, it's going to be good. Yeah, make sure that, and Ben's going to be there. Uh, also, we're doing uh, uh, I'll be doing the pre-release on Arena for New Capenna tonight uh, on Tuesday night. So that's that's a thing that's happening. We have early release. Tappy Toe Claws will be there as well on stream on our normal stream. Plus, obviously, 
uh, the normal Monday night commander streams that we do every week that then has been graciously hosting as I've been unable to commit to too many things a week. <laughs> and Aaron, where can people find you if they have any questions or want to throw at you wacky ideas for stuff that could happen at these events or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, one of my primary platform platforms is Twitter. So, uh, Torben underscore that I'm the only active Torben on Twitter. You can not hard to find T O R B I N. Uh, or I'm on Twitch. Uh, you can also email me at uh, a.lindy at esldgaming.com. Um, otherwise, uh, we also have a Discord. So if you want to jump into the Discord, you go to our, our Magic website. You can jump into the Discord. I'm active there as well. I'm not going to give you my Discord, but, you know, you can find me there. So have you have you seen the card Torbrand, Thane of the Redfell? Unfortunately, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sore subject. <laughs> So I get I get compared oh, to a, a lot of people or a lot of other other things like Torbjorn is something that I'm compared to all of the time uh, from Overwatch and just like I was yep. like guys I've been Torben for like nine years before any of this stuff came out so I win just in general. <laughs> see i like so there's a card that's called kess and like i've taken the opposite solution where i've just made it my brand it just is on everything that i have the art over there <laughs> just you gotta you gotta it's it's a uh, i think it's a lesson i learned in high school and then took it to college where like if someone comes up with a nickname you hate you just accept it and then you're gonna hate like like i was called spilly in college and it was always a like the intent behind it wasn't nice, but I was like, no, I'm claiming that I'm going to, that's what, that's my nickname. And we're <laughs> going by, it. I'm going to spill things. I'm going to knock stuff over. And it's going to be really funny because I've claimed this instead of me being like annoyed by it. <laughs> that's fair. Part of the gig. So yeah, I'm just saying you got to build a Torbrain commander deck. That's really what. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, obviously now, now I'm going to have to go back to my friend and be like, Hey, we have to build this. And he's like, yeah, in, I know we in do. your defense. He's busted. He's like really good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, he's a good card. It's just like getting compared to other things. It's like, eh, oh, yeah, do? that's fair. I understand. Yeah, let's sympathize. Um, all right. So so uh, last wrap ups. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, make sure if you want to buy cards, buy them on uh, at, at channelfireball.com. Uh, make sure to check out Ultra Pro for all of your product sleeves, etc. needs. Also, uh, altersleeves.com. We have a, a special deal with them as well. We're actually going to become with a uh, Patreon exclusive alter sleeve from them at some point in the next month keep an eye out for that uh we have a spicy one that we're looking to do and uh and and excited to see you at the dreamhack event and excited to to have this stuff come back and all the links for all of the stuff we've mentioned today are especially all the dreamhack oh. content and where to find it and how to get tickets and all of that stuff is linked in the description of this podcast episode so definitely check that out as well oh yeah sorry and one more thing i just remembered because this is going to drop on monday uh, as many of you know, I had to cancel the tour that I had scheduled at the end of the year last year because of the injury that I suffered. The whole thing has been rescheduled and the dates are now live and those tickets are on sale by the time you hear this. So just go to my Twitter. It'll be top link because the old link is 2021 tour. And I have to try to change it. But by the time you hear this, the tickets will be live. Just go to my Twitter, Ben Bateman Media. You'll find the link. I would love to see you this summer and uh, I'm looking forward to it. He's good. He's he's. he's new. A A plus content, highly recommend. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> verified, verified by Alex. Hopefully, he'll also be out of TikTok jail by the time we get to Monday. God, I hope so. <laughs> oh, all right. TikTok. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much, Aaron, and uh, thank you for you know bringing everything back. And thank you to our patrons. And we will talk to you all next week. I guess. 
This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.